Thank you for choosing the Authentic Wellness Podcast. I appreciate your time and attention. I invite you to listen with an open mind and a softened heart. No one has the same lived experience. Listening is the first step in our journey to understanding. So let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Authentic Wellness Podcast. Thank you so much for joining. I am glad you are here. Today I have with me Janine Pettit. She is an autism advocate as well as a finance strategy professional. And we are so blessed to have her here to tell us about everything she's doing in the community. So Janine, welcome. And go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us what you're all about. Hi, good morning. My name is Jeanne Petit. Thank you so much, Sophia, for inviting me to this podcast. Well, yes, I'm really excited to be here. And uh, I am, like you mentioned, an autism advocate. And autism advocate, because first of all, I am a parent. Uh, I've been blessed with a son and uh, he was diagnosed with autism. And so it's been quite the journey to say the least. However, I can say that all my experiences have been so rich and valuable. I've learned so much. Um, I was able to take all the things that we went through, the knowledge, and find a way to serve my community. So uh, everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. And we are gifted in many ways uh, to face the things that we face. I don't know if sometimes people don't realize that, but let's say you're very patient. Well, you might have a situation in front of you where (laughs) all your patience is going to be needed Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. And so that really led me to uh, becoming a financial uh, professional and helping families to strategize. And uh, I am so proud and so happy about what I do. Absolutely. And let me apologize for butchering your name. I have a big things, thing for names and I sincerely apologize. So now that that's out of the way, how old was your, your baby when you discovered he had autism? Well, that's a very good question. Um, to tell you the truth, uh, 19 years ago, they did not simply uh, label children with autism. So uh, when the child is born, of course, they screen them, et cetera. And uh, for him, he did not pass that newborn hearing test. So I imagine that it triggered something in this healthcare system. And we were visited by a developmental specialist and they came over and they uh, played with my son, et cetera. And uh, it was hard to notice anything because physically he's like off the charts, very healthy young man. Um, You know, he was developing physically very well. However, as between three to six months, I did notice some slight delays, but you know, when you go to your parents and, hey, I notice he's not doing this or that, they say, well, give him some time, you know, boys be different. I already had a daughter. And so little by little, we noticed there's some things that were very different. And today we can say that those are certain things that are marked as, listen, this child will most likely be uh, uh, diagnosed with autism. So for example, he didn't have good eye contact at all. Uh, He did not respond, uh, you know, on a continuous basis to us calling him. 
So, the, you know, those are just two of the signs, right? And so uh, by the time he was two years old, he went to the uh, specialist and then they said, you know, he has uh, certain labels and those are connected to autism. But because the child is so young, they did not want to label them right away. So he did get a diagnosis uh, around nine years old. He did. Okay, wonderful. Well, I'm glad, you know, you were paying attention, your parents were paying attention, and of course, professionals were followed suit. So what did you have to do or what did you have to endure in regards to his education to make sure that he was treated fairly? Ooh, that's a big question. <laughs> um, first of all, I know that as a parent, it's so important to just show up, just show up. Oh, yes. Uh, so, you know, uh, I had a, a daughter, she's older than my son with the diagnosis. And so it was just, uh, just normal for me to be at every parent meeting, every convocation, you know, every little award ceremony or uh, whatever they were doing at the school, you know, bake sale. I was not in the PTA, but <laughs> uh, I was a very active parent. So that continued when my son was younger and that parental involvement made a huge difference because I was in uh, communication with the teacher. I would drop by in the school and um, there were still challenges. You know, I asked a lot of questions. I looked at, you know, what they use to evaluate him. I looked at his work. Uh, so I was very involved and that made a huge difference in how I collaborated with the teachers. So for parents who have a kid with autism, there's a lot of unknown. Sometimes uh, you're wondering if your child will sort of go along with that flow. Well, once he's in school and there's the other kids, you know, he'll figure it out. Right. But that doesn't always happen. And so therefore, um, you know, working along with the parents, you know, getting yourself educated alongside of that is so, so important. So my involvement from the beginning really helped with uh, the educational process, but it was not easy. That meant that, you know, you have to sometimes leave work a little bit more frequently than your colleagues. Um, you know, it does take time. It does take time. It takes patience. It takes a lot of self-study on what you're going through. So after that, when he got to uh, middle school, I noticed that, you know, he was um, more distinctive. He was going to a class uh, that had kids that had special needs as well. But I found that he was more functional. You know, he had more ability to sort of be part of the typical group. So we started to uh, ask them to move him right? So he can be in a class that had children that were more typical so that they, he could maybe glean on them and, and learn from them. And I didn't realize that that would be very difficult. I don't know why. I understand that, um, you know, schools receive funding for kids when they're uh, in the special needs education branch. But for me, what matters was my son and his individual need as a person to develop, to grow, and to get the very best education. So we did a lot of work. Uh, yes, IEP meetings, uh, two and a half hours going on. Oh, wow. 
speaking with the district, uh, making sure that my son's rights were respected. And so I sort of unwillingly became an advocate for him. And, uh, you know, working with the school in, in, in so many ways, you know, if it couldn't be clear to the ESC specialist, well, we have to go and see the principal about it. If the principal can understand what I said, well, maybe we need to speak to the district about it. And so just being relentless in making sure that my son's needs were met, right? Absolutely. And, you know, that is amazing because with everything that's going on in the world and how parents' time is taken up by work and other things, you were there. You made sure to be there. So I commend you for that. Thank you so much. Thank Absolutely. You. How did that translate into you becoming a finance strategy professional? Well, that's a great question. Um, I worked for over 20 years at a foreign government agency, right? I was working in the immigration section and uh, I loved my job, loved my job working with the international communities mm -hmm. and providing them with services, of course, for entry and uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, that's a government job basically. Right. <laughs> They're at eight and you punch out at five, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so that made it very challenging to balance, to have a family and work balance, okay? Right. There was no such thing as uh, remote work, really. That was probably like 5% of workers. Uh, and so for what we did, we worked with secure documents. So we couldn't take our work at home. We couldn't, uh, you know, it, there's no way that we would be able to do what we do from home. But I needed a job. I needed to work. Uh, that's how we earned a living. That's how we paid our bills. So I started to notice that it's very challenging to balance it. Very challenging. Um, you know, you have rights as an employee to demand certain um, allowances, for example, family emergencies, you have holidays, sick days, etc. But that doesn't mean that the work environment always cooperates. I mean, uh, you may have a colleague that doesn't have kids and starts complaining about how, uh, well, I don't have all those days off, you know, you know, how am I benefiting? So that could, that made it for some uncomfortable days, you know, uh, or if my son was in crisis, I was, you know, sort of like locked to my desk. I had to mm -hmm. really uh, manage my emotions. I had to manage my output. I had to know how to, um, you know, liaise with my supervisors to make sure that I remained professional and also handled my family's uh, business, right? And so um, when that became very challenging to do, okay, in the midst of uh, difficulties and family chaos, uh, I decided to, uh, to leave my position and see how I can uh, have a better work and family balance. And so uh, I came here to South Florida and uh, I lived in Fort Lauderdale for some time and uh, I was working odd jobs. So you can imagine oh, wow. coming from, uh, you know, diplomatic environment, international trade, international affairs. And now you're sort of trying to be like a virtual assistant, you know, <laughs> 
helping people translate documents and stuff like that. So it was really a, a big change for me. And I did not know what to do. I just did my best. Um, I had three children and my three children went to three separate schools. Wow. Which meant three different start times. <laughs> so uh, I recognized that, you know, as a, as a parent, and I, by that time I was a, a single mom, okay? Uh, you know, I would have to find something where I can spend time with my kids and, and answer their needs, you know, their educational needs, extracurricular needs, time needs. Yes. And to be the mom that's there at 3 p.m. With a, with a great meal ready for them, you know? Uh, I figured that, you know what, this is really hard. Um, but I persevered. And some years later, uh, I met Shuparin. Uh, she approached me and she said, she asked me a little bit about what, how things were going. And she introduced me to um, a business in financial education for families. And that was a game changer for me because um, up until that time, because I was an employee, I was always receiving a check you know I go I do what I have to do and I get a check but I wasn't managing my money in the best way possible to make sure that I prepared for retirement to make sure that I left a legacy for my children to make sure that I was protected as an individual so uh, that meeting changed my life um, I was able to go over what my needs were as a parent as a daughter um, we're able to identify um, important notions of saving and protecting and legacy building. And so I joined her team and today, um, it's been a year and a half approximately that I've been working in the field and I absolutely love it. I absolutely love that I can, um, you know, I first of all, identify families and their needs. You know, when you see parents working hard day in, day out, five o'clock, okay, it's time for dinner and homework. When you think about it, Sophia, if you're working full-time somewhere, your family gets about three and a half to four hours of your time. Yes, if that. Exactly. Yes. And so when you make that calculation, that means that, you know, um, they get influenced by school, society, mm -hmm. culture, um, and it takes time to build a family. And those years are so precious. They go yes. so quickly. So when I became that financial professional, I realized that, you know what? I can have time with my family. I can uh, make sure that I'm there after school and be there for them, spend time with them and also help other families. They, first of all, do financial education. So they teach families about what's out there, what the possibilities are. And after they, and, uh, and, you know, educate them about what they need, then of course the family has a choice to make and that's simply up to them. But I think what drives me is simply educating them and letting them know you have options. There's a better way to do things. Absolutely. And you have to be willing to step out because of course, like you said, culture and society influences you on what you should do but that's so generic. You yeah. have to be willing to step out on faith and say, this is what's best for me and my family. 
Sophia, you said it. You have to be able to identify what's best for you and your family. Absolutely. And so as a worker, even though I loved what I did and it was, I was so proud to say, hey, I work for such and such governmental agency. Mm -hmm. My family's needs did not really go well with that setting, you know? And so I was able to identify that and say, you know, there's need for a change here. So for, for us to, to, to enjoy life. Right. Okay. So then let me ask you, when you moved to South Florida, did you move alone or did you already have a family support system in place? What was that like? Hey, when I moved to South Florida about what, 10 years ago? <laughs> yes, of course, good old mom and dad. <laughs> they were already established here in South Florida. And so it was sort of natural for me to say, you know, I need your help. Sometimes we have to be able to say that. I need your help. Um, right. Just, you know, I'm going through a situation and now it's me and three. And they, of course, embraced us and uh, lend us a helping hand. And I'm forever grateful for them, forever grateful for them. It's unfortunate that my father suffered uh, strokes maybe two years in as we mm -hmm. were here. But, uh, you know, that's life and we adjusted. And, uh, you know, my parents have been a great source of spiritual strength and yes. as well as you know, counseling and guidance. And, you know, there's nothing that replaced grandma and grandpa for my children, you know? Right, right. And I'm, I'm just coming to know now, if you have been there for 10 years, we were in the same city for a little while because I actually was in Fort Lauderdale as well and just left there um, three years ago. So my goodness, I, I totally wish I would have had a chance for our paths to cross. Um, but same like you, when not my children weren't diagnosed with autism or anything like that, but my father lived there, my parents are divorced, and my father lived there. And when I needed to make a change for the benefit of my children, I said, hey, dad, me and three children as well, we need a change. And he was like, you know, you guys are always welcome. And it was such a source of strength and empowerment knowing that one, I have family, a support system that's there. I don't have to leave them in the care of strangers and someone who loves them as, as much or if not more, because, you know, grandparents are totally different from the parents that raised us. Say that again, so Say that again. Because... Um, <laughs> It's just like, oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. But when it's grandkids, oh, take time with them. You have to understand. Oh, they didn't mean it. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> who, who did you turn into? Is this what old age does? But confession, uh -huh. I am totally planning on doing that with my grandchildren as well when they come. Aww. Because I am not going to be, <laughs> because, you know, you want the best and you, especially with that first one. Mm -hmm. the oldest he's always like oh you you do different with the baby I'm a different person I grew with you kids <laughs> yes so right with each child you grow and you learn more and you can't handle the first one you're so rigid and you're this and you're that and then with the last one you're like oh I'm not going to break this kid sure go ahead yeah but absolutely it, I mean it's just lovely to hear the passion you have for what you do and you're right 
you don't get that much time with them. And it seems like in the blink of an eye, everybody, I'm an empty nester. Everybody was grown and gone about their business. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I do with myself now? Ah, But here I am. That's such a beautiful story. And thank you for sharing that with me because yes, that time is so precious. uh, Having my parents as a support, was uh you know just pivotal to me keeping my faith number one and which means keeping my sanity yes yes (laughs) and also having my parents sort of uh transfer that heritage you know right uh, yeah I'm Haitian born and I grew up abroad and of course my parents are uh Haitian Mm -hmm. and they're also Christian so they were able to pass on some valuable uh you know things to my children that maybe I wouldn't be able to because I'm not them, right? Right. So that sort of cross-cultural bridging is also so important, you know, for family, for legacy keeping, for for understanding one another and and for them to have an example of what it means to have your parents aging and caring for them and being compassionate, you know. And so um, I think that that did so much for us as a family, just being together. And, uh, you know, they get to see me as a daughter. Yeah. And so, you know, I, we certainly use that example sometimes to say, hey, I, I can't do that to my mom. You know, what are you doing to me? <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, use all the tools to bring family together. And, uh, you know, I'm part of the sandwich generation mm-hmm. what they call it, because now my parents are aging. My mom is 78 and my dad's 83 and I have uh, young adults. Uh, that are uh, my my oldest daughter's 26 my uh, middle son is 19 and I have uh, a senior oh (laughs) wow so yeah so I'm still working Sophia Well, well you know it's it's okay and because you know what um just to share I'm I'm of Jamaican descent my husband is Haitian so it is important to have the older generation here to teach them their culture as well as, you know, just to let them know that with the world being as it is, because now we're transitioning into a system where we're world citizens, not just of your country of origin, just to see the differences and the similarities of Jamaican culture and Haitian culture and American culture where we are now. So that's beautiful as well as the faith, because both of our sides of the family are strong in faith, as well as they teach money management, because we come from a country that, countries that are considered third world. So just to get here and cherish the education and the access that you have. So again, that's what makes what you do so beautiful, because you're teaching from all different experiences. Absolutely, Sophia. And I'm so glad you pointed out on that, on, uh, you know, the the cultural learning. Mm -hmm. First of all, um, I commend my parents for what they did, you know. Um, And it's beautiful that you're an international family as well. Um, Yeah, yeah, my parents were missionaries. And so they traveled with us. And then uh, we, we ended up growing up in Montreal, Canada. And so 
you know, we're sort of international as well. My children's father is from Guyana. And so we, we also had that mixture, but with my faith as a basis, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I learned to sort of get the best of the cultures just to, you know, for us to be richer, get the best part of the culture. There's some things, of course, that, you know, the culture is the culture, but we do have choices. You know, this is our family and we can do the things we want the way we want. Right. Uh, because there are positive things that are in a culture and there are also negative things. Like you mentioned, we come from what's considered third world, world countries uh, to the world and to the media. Right. But we, 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 we have a lot of things that we didn't extract. So for example, you know, maybe retirement plans and 401ks, we don't have that over there, but we do have it over here. So how can we sort of bring uh, the knowledge of what we have from each culture to make us a rich international family, international individuals? And so um, that being said, I feel like I'm right in the middle of the cultures as well. You know, just like I was saying, you know, I'm that sandwich generation. Well, you know what? I'm also that cross-cultural bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned I learned uh, Creole here, in, you know, in North America while I was growing up. I did my due diligence. I listened to the music. Um, you know, I watched the movies and I practiced my craft, you know, and so now... I understand the facet of a North American uh, Haitian descendant. I understand uh, a Haitian that are like my parents. I understand also that person who immigrated. And so that absolutely helps me to serve my community in a most special way because I can understand the needs at different levels, right? Of a parent, of a mother, of a mother who was in Haiti and did not have access to certain things or certain services or resources. Um, To parents who've been here, right? And they've worked hard and they did their best and they did get a house or maybe two. And they do have some investment, but they're still they still don't know about legacy building, right? In the best way, legacy building as it is accessible to us here in North America. And so that's just been such an enriching experience to say, you know what? I can do this. I can be that bridge, not only in terms of financial uh, education and strategies for families, but also that autism, right? You know, for those, as you know, autism in in countries that uh, are in the Caribbean or anything related to disability, there's such a stigma, right? So I'm sure that you understand that very well. Yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Growing up, it was horrible because that's why I don't have an accent today Mm. because my parents worked so hard to make sure that I would speak proper English because it w- I, I went through bullying the first few years of school. Wow. Yeah. And, and just because I ate, ate goat and I did things differently, I wasn't allowed to do things the American way growing up. And it was, it was difficult. Now I'm thankful for it because it does teach you resiliency. It does teach you discipline. You know, it does give you a a hard work ethic. So, oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) 
and then especially in my children to an extent i i instilled that in them as well and they're like but mom and i'm like no yeah <laughs> so, yeah yeah this is yeah no and and so yeah so in our countries you know autism it's like what is that is it so mm-hmm. well or not well you know there's like one word that they use you're either good or you're not right you're productive or you're not <laughs> you know, there's no in between and so um as an autism advocate i work for a nonprofit organization that educates parents to help them mm. understand how to navigate the education system for themselves and their children uh we don't limit um any disability. So it's not just autism, it's any disability. So we work with families with kids from zero to 26 years old. And uh, each person in this organization has a child or uh, an adult in their family or someone who has a disability. So we're not only that professional coming out with, you know, these resources for you, but we come to you understanding that journey the time you hear that hey here's your diagnosis we know what that feeling is we know that you cried yourself to sleep for like four weeks in a row Mm -hmm. we know that you had to sort of re re man your life uh and 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 sometimes lose friendships sometimes you know feel lost we understand that here at this organization and so that makes me really proud and it helps me to reach my community, the Haitian community. So I'm a real speaking parent trainer and I help the families sort of like come to terms. And um, some work that I did that I'm so proud of is that um, I partnered with some community agencies that work with Haitian families specifically. Mm-hmm. And we did some amazing conferences where we were able to tap tackled really difficult topics like acceptance Um, oh goodness yes uh uh-huh acceptance why aren't we accepting these the the fact that our children and we have parents that are in such denial that they won't go for services yes i've seen that as well exactly that they're in such denial that they'll say yeah no you know there wasn't this before, or, you know, not my child, especially with people who are high professional, you know, it's very difficult sometimes for them to accept. Uh, we, we had professional come in and talk about, you know, what's with the label? Why are we so afraid of a label? Mm-hmm. Why does it dictate the way we react? Um, and how the label could become like a a ticket to get what you need for your child and why that's more important. Um, But, you know, we have those social cultural things such as, you know, calling somebody something is almost like condemning them. Mm -hmm. Whereas here, it's sort of freeing to accept that this is what's going on. Right. You can see that contrast in cultures and why sometimes it's difficult for administrators to understand why aren't our Haitian parents coming to those parent meetings or to the conferences that have to do with disabilities? Well, I know. And, you know, that's why being that sort of bridge and cross-cultural agent has been such a blessing to me. So that is awesome. So for those listeners who want to get in contact with you, how can you be reached? I can be reached by phone. My number is 954-282-9583. 
And my email is WSNHLLC2019 at gmail.com. And I also have a website. Uh, my website is www. I'm going to say it here. Dreambuilderfs.com slash Jean Petit in one word. And uh, I believe that the podcast will also post this on their page, right? Absolutely. All the contact information will be posted on your dedicated podcast page. Perfect. So I want to thank you so much for sharing your beautiful story with us, um, Jean. Yes. So thank you. And just know right now you have been upgraded from guest to friend of the show. So please come back anytime you'd like to share something new or just give us an update on what's going on with you. Yes, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share some of my experiences. And, uh, you know, we're always here and definitely will come back. Tonight we have, for example, a Zoom call, a closed Zoom call for parents. We're going to be presenting, um, you know, how to attend those parent conferences for them to be successful. So, you know, I'm excited about what I do. And my goal, of course, is to educate, enlighten, and, uh, you know, give confidence to those families who I come into contact with, not only for the disability part, but also for strategizing for the future. All right. It's definitely necessary. 